Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Big news, the Sydney Comedy Festival is around the corner and I've got a show in it. That's right, Tuesday, April 30th, Mark Williamson's Guns N' Roses is coming to town. As well, Dave the producer, Dave Keishan, is teaming up with friend of the show, Andrew Barnett, for Dave and Andrew's one-man show. That's on Tuesday, 7th of May, at the Factory Theatre. For tickets, visit sydneycomedyfest.com.au and for more information, visit comedyonedge.com. Now, let's start the show, Dave. Dave, hit the music. Welcome, everybody, to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. I'm joined here today by Dave, the producer, who's stepping into the techie's chair. I'm your host, Mark Williamson, and we're joined by local legend who spends most of his time overseas, Trevor Crook. Yeah. How are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, I've been back about a week. I was just—I was told my, my wife, Julie, my beloved wife, uh, that I'm doing this podcast. She gave me some advice. Oh, yeah, what's she that? Said, don't swear too much and don't talk about your cock. So, well, there goes my script of questions. Well, I'm, I'm going to fucking disappoint her. And, uh, oh, good, good. So, uh, I'll, I'll swear occasionally, but when they're wrong, they're good taste anyway. Was that pretty much now? I'm doing my research for this one. I, I saw you were on. You're in the latter days of Hey Hate Saturday. You made your appearance there. Yeah, every show I went on just happened to finish. Yeah, uh, that was when, your... when it was going well on it. I did the midday show. We're doing that regularly, and then. Uh, Lo and behold, just as things are sort of, kick, I did about a dozen of them, so things are sort of, you know, kicking off, and then bang, they finished finished with that one. And then I did Steve Visard, that was going pretty well. They pulled that one, and then I did Hey Hey Saturday, five or six of them. That was going really well, and then bang, they, they got the arse as well. So I'm like a touch of death for television yeah, you're shows. Sort of, I'm just thinking there's a bunch of shows, we, you know, maybe we should get you booked as an extra for Two and a Half Men. Or Yeah, yes, <laughs> right. Or uh, I wasn't on Good News Week, that failed by itself. Yeah, yeah, so, no, no, that, yeah that, that was, funnily enough, 1999, that was yeah. when you are on Hey Hey, I, I think you mentioned that, you'll have to book me on Good News yeah, that's Week right. next that's week. that's one of my, my jokes, yeah, did that with Shane Warne, actually, that, that episode. Oh, I was Warne on it. Yeah, I shared the green room with him, and, and um, it's very quiet, actually, but and uh, but I thought, what did you talk to Shane Warne about? I thought, well, Lexburn bowling, right, so, because yeah. so, I used to be a Lexburner myself, so oh. I, I talked to him like he was on the same level, <laughs> Shane, like he was one of my peers or something, he didn't say much. He didn't. So maybe he was a little bit, a bit embarrassed by the whole. Do you thing. think he was a bit nervous? Oh, like you know, because yeah. I know that he, obviously he's on TV all the time with cricket. But you know, it's a bit. Was he on? Was what was he on the judge and red faces or? He, yeah, he was judging red faces. So I thought it was a bit, maybe a bit shy actually. Yeah, because I remember like do, I used to, Good News Week. I used to do a little bit around it, and all the people I met, the one who was the biggest disappointment for me was because I was a fan was Matthew Hayden. The oh, cricketer, yeah, right. Because he was just really nervous and tense, and yeah. Yeah, he wasn't the best person to deal with backstage. And yeah, yeah. And then you see the show, and he was really wooden and rigid, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so maybe maybe Shane was nervous. I think he was nervous actually, because that's when he started to make a, you know, I suppose, uh, trying to make a career out of the media. So mm. this was like experience, work experience for him, basically. So I suppose he was fairly tense about the whole thing. Yeah. But he's still a bit wooden, isn't he? He's all right. Yeah, well, he's, he's moved on. He's got Elizabeth Hurley now yeah, he's, yeah, in his corner. Yeah, Lucky fucker, right? Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. And <laughs> he must be with going out with her. Is she... Where does she... Like, you, in the UK, where does she rank? Is she a, a big celebrity over there? Or no, is she sort no. of more like the Denny Hines oh, is no, over she's here? Had, she's had a lip stunt. She's had, you know, Botox and... 
got fat lips now. If you see earlier photos of her, she's got like thin lips, normal lips. Yeah, and, and then she had them pumped up with collagen or some shit like that. And it's uh, she and she must be in a forty mid forties now. So yeah, yeah, too yeah. old to push the sex symbol. So she's sort of not like so now it's sort of like she's would she be A, B or C list? I'd be C. C? Yeah, C yeah. and Shane is Shane probably would have been the D he's probably up to the C list now. Yeah, yeah, because he hangs around with her, he's probably been dragged up to C level. Obviously in cricketing circles he's not but Oh no general. he's royalty in cricketing yeah, circles in and general with yeah, Elizabeth general. Hurley, you know, I think he'd probably have the crown for sort of the socialites. Yeah, general celebrity status with her C both C's anyway. Yeah. We weren't supposed to mention the C word. We just mentioned it twice. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very clever. Uh, yeah. Well, it's good, good to be... Now, talk, talk us through... Like, I've There's a book called Comedians in the Mist, yeah. which that was about 99 too. There's a, was that long ago, was it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. in there it says you, you spent 17 years on the dole. I did, yeah. I was... Um, when I left school, I didn't like school at all, so I was a, a, an abject failure at school. I was actually in the slow learners class, not because I was particularly stupid, but because I, I didn't do homework, I wagged it a lot, which I took 140 days off in one year. Oh, that's just impressive. It's a lot, because I'd a mate of mine, he was like, uh, we'd wag it together, and he had an invalid mother. And she was got a bit of money in the bank, so he'd forge checks <laughs> in her name, and we'd, not much, we'd take out $10, $20 a yeah. day, and we'd just buy all this piss, <laughs> and go back to his place and just get smashed. And then just we'd wander around to Angle Park Girls High School, which just up, and we'd chase the girls around the old coppers would be after us and and all that sort of shit. We had, yeah, we had a great time. Where did you grow up in Sydney or Adelaide? Adelaide. Oh, Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, so we had a bit of money and we yeah. never went to school and uh, and I excelled in English and probably geography and uh, failed at everything else. Do you think it sort of affected your career? Because now you know, obviously, comedian, you know, and your your wordplay and geography, you travel the world, so it's quite yeah. handy. I think your skill with English is genetic because my mother was poetic and wrote poetry and all that kind of stuff. Do you think, think it's nature or nurture? Do you think you inherit, or do you think just being surrounded growing up? With I think it? it's a bit of both. I think you're born with a natural yeah. uh, ability to talk, and then obviously you need an education to learn the words. Yeah, and then once you know the words, yeah, your brain operates fairly smoothly on that level and then I think they say oh, he, he can talk he's good at English you have to learn punctuation which I'm still very poor at actually you know dots and commas and all that shit but talking wise you don't need no. punctuation well it is yeah, it's very different I don't know like when you write your jokes do you write them out by hand or do you sort of think them up in the head no I, I write the, the thing with a joke is if the basic premise is funny the, the joke will work even mm. if you deliver it badly and even if the English is shit and it's confusing yeah. if the premise is good people will laugh at the premise but if the joke if the premise is no good it probably will never work no matter how much time you spend on it and how much you rewrite it because I've learned from experience because I rewrite everything I've, I do one joke a hundred times if you get my notebooks it's, it's one joke for about a hundred pages because <laughs> I think uh, it's either me trying to get the wording right or I, I'm thinking oh no that is a funny premise yeah but people aren't laughing so maybe I just need to tweak it a bit and sometimes when you're writing, you might go off at a, you know, the tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, that can lead to something funny. Yeah. See, so, this is where you probably should have talked to Warney about, because he was constantly with his deliveries, he was tweaking on how he delivered the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...the but, angle of but it. But you, you need a wrongan, you know, yeah, to make it funny, that's when the wrongan comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, true. Because you take the batsman down a certain path of thinking, you know, conventional leg break, and then all of a sudden the wrongan, that's the punchline. That's the cricketer's punchline, is the wrong one. <laughs> oh, I think, I think we, we could be auditioning here for the Channel on Channel 9's cricket coverage. Oh, 
the, it's up in the air, the rights. Channel 9 mightn't have it. It could be Channel 7 I mean, or I should be a cricket commentator because I sit and, and howl at the television during the cricket and I'm always making, you know, comments about Ricky Ponting being a fuckwit or, you know, oh, yeah, well, yeah. how come such and such a player's not in the team? He must have fucked Ponting's wife or something like that. And, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and oh, I know my cricket, I always give these decisions mm-hmm. and yeah. they coincide with the umpires. So he's, he's gone and then the umpire's finger goes up. And Julie said, you should be a cricket commentator. So, oh, yeah, I'd, you haven't thought about maybe setting up a podcast, you know, you could sync it into the tests, people could watch it? Well, I'm learning now, because I thought podcast would be great, because it's create. it can be creative. Yeah. And you, uh, I suppose once you, once you get it established and you get people on it, uh, then you're, you're rolling. And well, then, then it's a matter of you can do what you like. You said it would be, mate, like we sort of, we got into, like something I'd thought about for years, because like, I love, for me, like... Comedy, the thing I like about most about comedy is when you're at the comedy, you're just hanging out with other comics chatting. Yeah. So yeah. if we can do this, and we just put it up on the web, and people tune in and listen, quite a few of you actually. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Germany, we've got a lot of German fans really? out there. Yeah. Uh, I, have you gigged in Germany? Yeah, I've done gigs in Munich. Munich? I did a gig in, uh, interesting, I did a, a, sea, well, for a week in Berlin, right? I was a young, what they, they had this thing where they had English speaking comics come over, mm-hmm. and they do 10 minutes yeah. amongst all the German acts. But the gig was in East Berlin. So anyway, so I go up uh, first night, I just die in my ass, just like complete silence. Yeah. But you don't get heckled in Germany, right? right oh, okay. So I said to some to a German comic afterwards, how come I didn't get heckled? He said, what's heckling? He said, you know, <laughs> shouting out and shit like this. He said, no, no, we respect you as an artiste. So I think Hitler would have would have had a very easy time of it. That's uh, saying he had a soft never, crowd to work with. Yeah, yeah, never, never got heckled, definitely <laughs> never got heckled. Um, so what happened was I just died in my ass, mm. and you come out and take a curtain call with all the other uh, performers afterwards. So you're bowing, like a, a proper bow. Oh, oh like like a theatre bow. Oh, I've just died in my ass. Thank you very much. Just died in my ass. Thank you very much. And um, so the second night, I thought I've got to have some. I'm going to get a laugh. So I said to the uh, German comedian, I just thought of it on the spot. I said, "What's German for small cock?" Right and. Uh, he said, oh, Kleinischwanz means small cock. Okay, so then I go out. This is my first joke. So I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't speak German. I just know two words, uh, Kleinischwanz. Got a huge laugh. You know? <laughs> I know it means small cock. I know it because I used to have a German girlfriend. Right? <laughs> and she had a really small cock. Right? That's, that was a big gag. Yeah. Killed. Right? Yeah. Killed. And then I just died for the remaining nine minutes again. So, uh, how many callbacks to small co- to the German for small cock did you have? I got a, yeah, I got an encore for small cock, and yeah. then it, it's funny because I, I did that. That's the only time I got a laugh yeah. for the whole four nights with my opening joke. Do you think it, they didn't know English, or it was yeah? Because in East Berlin, because I said to the uh, German comics, "What's going on here? This is fucked. This whole gig's a mess." I said, uh, "Oh no, it's because this is East Berlin. Their, their language is Russian." Their first language is Russian. Ah. And this is after the war yeah, came yeah, down. Yeah. But it's yeah. the first language is Russian, second language German, and then third language English. English. So I just don't know what you're on about. So, uh, so when you come back, you, you didn't think of sort of maybe having, okay, knowing that next time I'll come out with the Germ- you'll do it in German, the small cock, then you do it in Russian, the small cock. I, I didn't think of that. Ah. Again, that takes time and effort. I really couldn't be fucked with. I, was actually, uh, I actually performed in uh, East Berlin as well about oh, two years ago. They um they had a comedy night on the uh, I think it was the Saturday night. Oh, the theatre. Uh, the this is a Cookaburra club. It's an English speaking club. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was bizarrely the weekend of the ten year anniversary of reunification. Oh, right. So right. everybody was doing jokes about uh, communism versus capitalism. Okay. And, and I go up and do you know Star Trek jokes. It was just completely out of uh, out of whack for everybody else that night. Did you see the big uh, the above ground bomb shelter? In East Berlin, did you see that? 
the, the car park the car park the no it's like a massive block of cement it's yeah. massive it's, it's like as big as a shopping center it's a solid block of cement with slits in it and i walked past it i said what the fuck is that it looked really alien and the german bloke said what's an above the ground bomb shelter from world war Two, and we can't blow it up because there's houses around it and it's so solid you'd need like a nuclear bomb to fucking blow it up. Wow. So, uh, it must still be there. It's oh, yeah. They're, they're built big there. They also have um, Tempelhof Airport. Yes, right. Which which is no longer an airport, but mm. apparently they flooded it at World War Two, and they never unflooded the, the basement. Oh, and right. So there's meant to be, like, booby traps and everything down there. They never yeah. eventually cleared out after it's, World War Two. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. you think, though, they would have, like, the big block of concrete, they would have renovated into something. I mean, if it's that is... It's not used yeah. for anything, or <laughs> it's pretty awful. It's not much you can do with just raw concrete. Yeah, and I suppose people as a sore point with World War Two, and I suppose a reminder mm. of they lost, and um, yeah, true, true. Maybe glorification of some shit. Anyway, I mean, maybe I went, I went looking for the Führer bunker when I was there. Isn't that like a traffic lights or something? That's like that's just like nothing. There's no monument marking. Oh, there's like all? a there's like a Turkish shop, and it's like it's a weird. It's just so nondescript, and you, mm. you have to be told where it is. And uh, really, there. That's right, yeah. Because I, I, I did, um, I said to a, a German uh, in the museum, I said, where's the Führer bunker? And she was like, it all started to shake. And I went, what the fuck? I'm just an historical thing. I think some sort of, an, uh, you know, born-again Nazi or something. It didn't help that you had your head shaved at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. The swastika on my arm didn't yeah, help. It wasn't, the, uh, wasn't your best dress choice. <laughs> but I, I thought, no, just historically, it's interesting. I mean, it was, I don't give a fuck about Nazis. I mean, they're all dead anyway now. It's just, mm. just part of history. You know, yeah, it's, so. I mean, it's the same as, like, people go to Auschwitz, tour, yeah. which is, you know... I've been uns- there. Oh, yeah. You've been there? Yeah, 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 yeah. My mate Phil went there. He, he went on a Kentucky tour around Europe, and... Mm. They all go into Auschwitz and everyone's really mellow and they're on with one Japanese tourist. She spoke no word of English. Yeah, and he goes, he goes every destination, she goes, you take our picture? You take my picture? They're at Auschwitz and she's got this big smile and they're like, no, don't smile at you. It's, it's, and they couldn't explain to her. Like, she obviously just didn't know the significance of the place. Yeah, she's on yeah, the tour. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, that, I had something very similar in New York. Um, doing it for when the World Trades came down, there was a, a sculpture in the middle uh, that got crushed and they have they pulled the sculpture out of the wreckage and then they put it down at Battery Park uh, as a kind of a monument to mm. the attacks. Oh, okay. And I kind of knew New York well so it was kind of very sort of solemn when you know what it is. Yeah. But then you had all like these people like yeah, Asian tourists standing in front with, with two fingers up and their picture taken and oh, you're yeah. going, uh, they might not know where that came from, you know. You know, that's a sign. Like, Taz, I'm from Tassie in Port Arthur, which... Oh, yeah, that's right. Port Arthur's just a place of misery before the shooting. Like, you know, yeah. convicts were tortured there. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, now, you know, then that, that nut job did that. And it's like, you go, you see pictures on Facebook, you see someone at Port Arthur smiling, and it's just, I think it, I think there's probably tragedy everywhere. If Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I don't get, you know, oh, yeah, what's the historical significance? I don't know, uh, human suffering. Well, yeah. fucking human suffering everywhere. Man. Well, yeah. I've got a, I got a four day a week day job. There's plenty of suffering in that one. Human suffering. Yeah. Where are you working? Oh, just doing a bit of admin work. We, they some of them listen to the podcast, so hello to all of them. That's <laughs> out there. I like the job, but no, I don't. Yeah. I like the people, not the job. Yeah. Sad when you you can't do comedy as a full time living. You got to resort to all kinds of rubbish to survive. Well, you see, yeah, you do. I mean, Sydney's an expensive city. It's how does yeah. it stack up? Do you know? Like, I know you've you've got a place you've had here for years. How yeah. does it stack up? Like you know, food, transport to London. It's all DMO because everything's imported, even Australia, which we no need to import, but the globalists have come up with this neat idea where we're importing fucking apples from Argentina or some mm. stupid reason, you know what I mean? And um, 
it's to make money for the corporations because by importing it they boost the prices up you know and um, and so it's just a money making corporate ploy yeah so but we pay the price for it because mm. everything does go up yeah and Australia is dear place yeah it is I mean we suppose we're blessed with so many natural resources mm, mm. that are owned by so few yeah. hello Lord Reinhardt if you're out there listening or one of your lawyers I know you are I don't think they are what's that I don't think they are I, I think they are I think I, I notice every time I tweet are you on you're not on Twitter no I don't understand that Oh, it's just it's pretty much a place to throw out your topical material. I mean, you probably don't need to because you can go to you can gig every yeah, night yeah. of the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our one our once a month gigs we need to sort of get. Yeah, yeah. But Twitter's really handy. But I notice every time I tweet about Reinhardt, and I call her Lord Reinhardt because that's mm-hmm. she's evil. I always get a new follower. There's been a few law firms following me there. So it's an objectionable sack of shit, isn't she? I think a lot of Australians suffer the Stockholm syndrome. You know what that is when you you sort of somehow yeah. have sympathy for the bloke that's fucking up the ass, basically. You think, oh no, he's he's doing this for my own good. Australians are full of that. They've got the Stockholm mm-hmm. syndrome where they'll vote for people like Abbott who's, who's going to fuck them over. Oh yeah, about massively. Yeah. Royal, New, Campbell Newman. I don't know if you heard about him in Brisbane. No, no. Cam, Campbell Newman. Um, he came in with the Liberals up there and just mm-hmm. massacred like. Massive, yeah, they won easily. First three weeks, he pretty much decimated, cut back everything. Queensland Health, I think 30 or 40% gone. Public, so everything's just got... If anything, the only thing he's probably done is late, like federally Labor was facing a wipeout in Queensland mm. due to his vicious cutbacks they're now so scared of Abbott that he might have actually bought some votes in. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know... The, this thing, particularly in Australia, because I go away a lot, so I, I can see Australia from a distance, mm. and then I come back and I, I look at it differently than someone who lives here, who's yeah. sort of, I suppose, it, um, involved in the whole thing. Here. You're immersed in it, where mm. I, I leave and I look at it from a different perspective. How are we thought of overseas? Like in, in... Uh, we're thought of as um, very sweary, yeah, <laughs> uh, redneck, racist, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say stupid, but uh, fairly primitive. Yeah, you know. It's a shame the whole racist thing. Is that? Do you think that's always been the case, or do you think Howard sort of trumped it a bit? Yeah, Howard uh, inflamed it a bit. Yeah. But I think we always, you know, cause any country that's isolated would tend to be racist anyway because of the it's a geographical thing where you're isolated yeah. all the time and outsiders. The when they do come over, you go, well, you, you know, the it becomes a bit more obvious they're outsiders mm. when you get immigrants come in to populate the place. So it's got a history of racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well, the white Australia policy didn't didn't really wasn't our finest hour. Well, that was brought in for good reasons initially to protect Australian jobs. So the unions brought it in to protect Australian jobs because the corporations were bringing in Filipino workers, you know, slave workers basically. And so the white Australia policy was to stop that, but then yeah. when when you grabbed it, you could sort of manipulate it any way you liked. So if you had a racist agenda, you could manipulate the white Australia policy for your own ends. And then, you know, that, that's how it all starts. Yeah. Yeah, little, um, I mean, fascism doesn't come in all at once, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a little bit at a time. Yeah, and how's, how do you go over in the UK, like being... Does being Aussie help you sort of with the comedy? Yeah, or? it gives me a slight... Um, not really a gimmick, is it? But it does no. gives me a slight hook. Point of difference. Yeah, a slight hook. Not, yeah. not much because we're the same. Really. There's, a, there's a few Aussie comics over there. Yeah, I think I was the, I was the first one to go. I was in a, a, uh, what's his name, uh, Brendan um, Burns, but he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, doing he started comedy. over there. Yeah, he started yeah. over there. I was the first one to go over with any kind of profile, with you know TV behind me and all that, and um, have a go at it. Uh, 
And then uh, then they started to follow, actually, because mm-hmm. I started to do quite well. I, you know, I went over to do a TV show anyway, so it had a bit easier for me in that yeah, respect because I didn't, didn't just lob in on a net. Yeah, I was wondering what, what prompted the big... Because you, you're a headline comic in Australia, which mm. wasn't... I'd imagine... Now that there's a little bit of work here now, there's not. There wouldn't. How was it when you like you left? Was it '99 you left for the UK? Yeah, I went to the Edinburgh Festival in yeah. I think '96. Then I went in '97 yeah. to do live at Jongliers. Then I went back in '98 to do live at Jongliers, and then I decided to stay. I think for ten months and uh, establish myself because it takes a while to establish yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and then sort of I go well, I can work regularly here, and by mm. then I had accommodation because it's, it's very hard to live when you go. I was in debt six grand on my credit card, nowhere to live, mm. just hopping from place to place. Yeah, and then I um, I ended up I knew Ed Byrne, uh, the Irish comedian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just he's mentioned been on the podcast. Oh. Yeah, he was on our second podcast. Oh, was it really? He's yeah. the only oh. one guest we've ever interviewed over the phone because it was, it was in London at oh, the time. Oh, okay. Do you, where were you from in Ireland? Are you? I'm uh, from Cork in the south. Oh, Cork. Yeah, yeah. They had a great gig there years ago. Didn't... Oh, really? It's it's not, not got a lot of comedy rooms. Fucking city limits. Yeah, that, that's it. Is yeah. it still going? Yeah, it? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, fuck! It was fantastic. Yeah. They don't have, like, yeah, it's, I think it's the only room they have, and uh, if you want to get comedy in court, that's where you got to go. Yeah, right. So, the uh, Michael May, do you know Michael May? No, I, I started uh, completely in Australia. Oh, almost, did you? Almost like yourself. Oh, I, okay. I have the accent, it's, that's my hook. Yeah, it's, it's, see, when you go there, it's quite a brave thing to do initially, because you, yeah, you, you, well, you've got to take a bit of a punt. Hmm. But I think if you're in Australia, like, if you, I've just done the Adelaide Festival, right? Yeah. I didn't, I just did guest spot, didn't actually do the... Didn't the festival, it, yeah. but it's quite clicky down there. Yeah. Uh, and what happens is in Australia, you get in your own cliques. You're mm. made to feel a bit of a legend in a very small circle, and you start to believe your own bullshit. Uh, but and then you don't take any risks. You don't even leave your state, yeah. let alone go to another country. And then you end up. I don't think uh, you end up an inferior comic. Yeah. So if you have a look at the Adelaide comics who travel, uh, my Mickey, um, Mickey, yeah, Mickey, ben, yeah, Ben Darso travels. Yeah. And they're getting. Um, they're, and particularly Ben, he's improving. Mm. And if you stay in yeah, the one little comfort zone, you don't get any better. Yeah, I think Ben Darso's just moved. He might even be based out of Sydney now. Like, he's, oh, is he? Oh, okay. But yeah, but I mean, but he's still travelling. I like he's yeah, yeah, his name yeah. pop up. I don't. I haven't actually. I've, he's one of those guys. I've seen him do a ten spot, mm. but I've never actually met the man. So yeah, he's a lovely, but, yeah. lovely, lovely bloke, and yeah. he's very he's just a hard working. He pushes himself. It's. I'm, I'm an absolute disgrace. I am. I do fuck all, mate. Lie around watching porn all day, and I'm wondering why I don't get fucking work. It's just, um, yeah, but see, I see. You, like, how many in the UK? How many, when you're back there? How many gigs a week do you do? Well, I, again, I'm lazy there as well. You like, like, but I, I, I probably do on a good week. I could do three, four, five, something like that, and that's without trying because I, I don't try at all. Well, the, you, you, well, you're probably at the stage where they're like. You'd, there'd be some clubs that are right. right we pencil Trev in for mm. this week, and we, so you've kind of. Not you, like you've worked hard to get to where you are. Yeah, now, yeah. And you sort of yeah. You're at the point where you don't it, probably don't. If you're comfortable and happy, you don't really need to. Yeah, I don't. I mean, travelling a lot. You can work in England seven days a week quite yeah. easily, but it would mean going to Exeter for a hundred quid, mm. which I don't want to do. And sort of uh, the travelling knocks you about a bit because you're always on trains. It's a small country. Yeah. But you know, you're you're travelling every day. You know, and sort of, uh, do you really want that lifestyle? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, where you're based? Are you based in London? Yeah, I'm in Brixton. Yeah. In Brixton. So, would you like? Would most of your gigs be round London, or do you sort of? Oh no, little... no. All the money's up north. Oh, up north. Yeah, you get paid more. The further away you go, the more money. Oh, okay. And you've got some really good clubs up there. The Glee clubs are fantastic. You know, yeah. And, uh, and so, if you're willing to travel, maybe to Yorkshire or um, Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. yeah well, I've yeah. heard the stand over yes, there. Yes, great. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Edinburgh Standard that about three months ago. Oh, nice. Fan, you know, they're fantastic gigs. Yeah. I, mean, you know, you can, I look at gigs in Australia, and um, there's some really great gigs here. Mm. Roxbury's fantastic. Yeah, Roxbury, know. Mike in Hands. Yeah, for, yeah, Mike in Hands. And, and I mean, Happy End. Have you done Happy End? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. And that's just getting better and better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So there's potentially really good rooms there. Just the, but they don't pull enough people to, for it to be... You know, full time. Yeah, a viable circuit. Yeah, like you could ca- sort of do. Yeah. I mean, someone like Ben, going back to Ben Darso, because he's probably at the moment the comic I know that travels yeah. the most. So yeah. he could do his run in Sydney, then his run in Perth, his run in Adelaide, his run yeah, in yeah, Brisbane. Yeah. And so yeah. he could probably. I know, like myself, I've done Perth. Yeah. Um, and Perth just, it's too expensive. Like, yeah. you can do your week of gigs, but you barely cover your costs. Like, you. Yeah. And you just, I mean, that's, yeah, you sort of live, have to live hand in pocket if you. So, I mean, the beauty of England is if you're in London, you can do like I've done five gigs in one night oh, wow. in London, but it's too stressful because your one gig it runs a bit late and yeah. you're stressed out. Because you, I hired a driver for the five gigs, and he didn't know where the fuck he was going, mate. He lived in London. <laughs> I said, "Where are you going?" He said, "Well, I, I travel everywhere by tube. I don't, I don't see the top of London that much." It's like you're a driver. He's a driver, yeah. And we're running into gigs. I'm 25 minutes late, which makes me 25 minutes late, late for the, the other next. gigs. And, and some of the gigs are only for eighty quid, and I go, I don't yeah. really need this stress. It's bullshit. I mean, well, that's, you know. Yeah, that's that's quite intense. Like, did you ever get to the point like gig three when you you're setting up a joke and like, hang on, have I done that yet? Or oh yeah, I did yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, I've I've done that. I've actually done the same joke twice, <laughs> but I still got the same laugh because I delivered it like I didn't know I was doing it again, and somehow the audience <laughs> went, "Fuck, we better laugh." Well, that, that's <laughs> friend of the show, Peter Mizell. Do you know Peter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. been on a couple of episodes here, and I did a gig with him at the Laugh Garage once. I was MC, he was the headliner, and he came out and he did a joke, and then he did it straight away, the same joke, and mm. it was enormous laughter. Yeah. And like I get it afterwards, I'm like, mate, that was genius. When he goes, I tell you the truth, Mark. I forgot I did it. Yeah, and, right. but for him now, it's part of his routine that they just assume he's a bumbling. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, the audiences are very supportive. For, you know, in England, I mean, half the time they'll just fucking laugh as they're supposed to. Oh, really? You've just done a joke. So I've heard that. I've heard my like that they can be tough rooms too. Yeah, um, it depends if, if they if they like you, they're fantastic. So I think we we should point out we are awaiting Mickey D. Oh, so okay, there's a chance that he's going to come in halfway through the okay. podcast. No, the um, English audience, audiences, are, uh, if they like you, they're fantastic. Yeah. And it, it, it depends. You have to give them something a bit different because they, they've seen so much comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to do a joke about the tube or... It's already been done. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, the most, you know, cliched subject matter. And, and every visiting comic does the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, you I'd know, imagine, yeah. like yeah. It's yeah, like uh, Melbourne when you go, hook turns, give us about hook yeah, turns. Yeah, that's right, about the trams. Uh, you know, London is mainly, they'll do a joke about the tube, uh, the crowd, you know, the various crowds around Clapham Junction Station or some shit, the overcrowd. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's the same speed. Yeah. And people have heard it. Now, the London scene, like, there's so many, like, mm. we like, like we get with Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, the comedy festivals, mm. we get all these overseas acts, and mm. but these guys pretty much come from the London scene, like, mm. you know, someone like Stephen K. Amos, Glenn yeah. Wool, yep, yep. Reg D. Hunter, you would have, you'd pretty much work with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Reginald D. Hunter, I, I worked with him, I was doing it before he started, he used to be really overweight. Oh, really? He was fat as fuck, really oh, wow. fat, very short hair, very conservative. Oh, wow. His lead would shake when he... When he was gigging, it must be nerves. His left, his right leg had tremor. Oh wow! And um, but he had this uh, voice, fantastic yeah. voice. 
and like this persona. Then he just developed this angle where he's real cool. And but he wasn't cool at all when he first started. Oh, wow. Just an angle he worked on. That's Being yeah. Cool that... and I smoke dope, talk a bit slower, accentuate the southern draw, which he doesn't talk like that at all. Yeah. And he accentuates it for effect. Yeah. And then that gives him some kind of you know recognition or something like that. And, and yeah. then he's now he's got his comedy voice. Yeah. You know and. Um, Seems to have worked for me, doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, so, he's so. doing. Oh, he doesn't. He's doing so well. He doesn't come back to Australia anymore. Yeah, Reg, well, if you're out there, come back. We miss you, mate. Yeah, they didn't like him in Melbourne because they reckon he's misogynist. You know, your festivals are just a bit, bit of fun to do. I think they can mm. stretch you to maybe write a show. I'm not saying they're mm. no good, but they're not the real world. Yeah, it's very. I mean, I'm at the moment. I'm a month away from my Sydney festival and yeah. the stress of it because. You know, I've got to come out with a new hour from last year. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, the stress of it's killing me. It is. You've got to, you've got to test the material out yeah. before you do the festival. Well, I'm doing a theme show too, so it's not like I can just yeah, try yeah. it at, a, at an open mic venue. No, so. yeah, yeah, but if you're doing a festival, great. But, I mean, if you can't make a living for the rest of the year, hmm. you know, you, you know, I, I go, well, it's just like an exercise and futility or something. I don't know. Doing a festival to just... I'm not. I've done them myself, and they, I can, they're fun to do. But jokes generally don't work. Mm. The, if you're doing stand-up, you're better off doing a themed storytelling mm. show. Because I've just been to the Adelaide Festival, saw about yeah. 20 shows, yeah. and I laughed once. What? It's all unfunny. I mean, it's just someone said to me, I won't mention names. I said, no. "What was his show like?" It's, well, it's just a bloke talking for an hour. There's no, <laughs> there's no fucking jokes, mate. It's just yeah. someone pretty self-indulgent who's got the confidence. See, if I'm telling a story, if I know the people are interested interested i can really expand on it and tell it well but yeah. if I, i'll look at them and they look a bit you know uninterested talking and then i'll lose confidence in it so i'm used to getting laughs at fairly regular yeah. intervals and if you're, if you're a comedian um you know you, you're waiting for that laugh if you've got two minutes without a laugh you know fuck you're sweating but these people have got got the utmost confidence in what they're doing and they can be doing absolutely just anecdotal shit that a bloke down the pub can tell you, and the same stuff. But they do it with the utmost confidence. They've got no shame at all. Whereas I, whereas I look at my jokes or what I'm doing, and I go, if it's shit, I'm pretty honest with myself. I go, well, that new material's crap. Yeah. And I can't, I couldn't do it with confidence, but they, they can just talk about nothing, like they're talking about something really important, and that's their show. And, yeah. you know, and the best show I saw was Kitty Flanagan. You oh, know, Kitty, that. phenomenal. Yeah, it's just a funny, no, but it just had laughs. I yeah. could laugh. And all the other shows, I'm going, fuck me, mate, what is this? Uncomfortable yeah. seats. And yeah. Was Kitty over in the UK when you... Yeah, she came over, yeah. yeah. Adam Hills and Adam, he Kitty and... Who else? Well, Steve Hughes came Steve over. Hughes. And Jim? Uh, yeah, he came over, yeah. Did he come through, like, you, with you? Like, were you sort of, I, from what I gather, you sort of almost were the, that welcoming party to sort yeah, of a lot was, of actors. I think there was me, and then I think there was Steve Hughes and then Kitty and Adam, Adam mm. Hills. So that was basically it. And then they people came and went. Uh, I think uh, Jack Barrett came over and mm-hmm. here and there. And he's, I think he's going, he's going back later on. He's in, he's, yeah, he was there for last year, I think. Yeah, but he, again, he finds it uncomfortable living there. He sleeps on people's lounges. And, oh, right. ah. Yeah, you've got to establish yourself. You've you got to be comfortable. You know that. Yeah, you need, your, you need your home. But that's, yeah. I toyed with going to England about a year or two ago, but sort of finances... Uh, sort of holding me back and mm. also that getting out of the comfort zone like I got mm. my little setup here I got my little my room my base mm. I've got I've got my friends oh yeah, that's right yeah so it's sort of like it is yeah I could imagine I can see why it can be a tough yeah you'd be married I was married at the time as well oh. my, my first wife yeah which was like a disaster 
And uh, but yeah, you, I sort of miss the nagging. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'd, I'd be on. I wouldn't mind being nagged now. I just have to make pay someone to nag me for half now because I started to miss the sound of her screeching voice. So and you know and uh, and she'd be on the phone to me and saying, you know, what are you making money? And I go, well, no, not really. I'm this getting established. Yeah, so then you got that pressure from your loved ones. You know, yeah. if you're married, your wife, you're, you know, you got a wife to worry about. You got mm. a family. You got to make a living out of it. Yeah. So you get this added pressure. If you're a single bloke, you don't give a fuck. I mean, it's a, well, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You can just please yourself. When you're married, responsibilities, so pressure, bad weather, bad food. They had the mad cow scare when it was there. And oh, I could, oh so was it vegan food for? Yeah, I was just eating. I, was, I wasn't eating anything. I got down to 60 kilograms. Oh, wow. I got paranoid about eating beef and uh, anything connected with beef, which was butter. Oh, or, yeah. You know, anything connected to beef, yeah. I wouldn't eat. Yeah. So I was just looking. I was like, yeah, it's like a mental illness. Yeah, it's sort of like um, deprive you of the sun. They take away your food. Well, I thought I got. Par- I thought there's a, probably a mad cow out there with my name on it, right? I thought uh, um, matter of time before I eat Trevor. something. Hey? He's actually called Trevor. Yeah, Trevor. Trevor, yeah. Trevor written on the side. So I thought this is a real health issue. I was only eating one meal a day and um, wow. got down to 60 kilograms, 58 kilograms. Wow. Now I'm 76. <laughs> so that gives you some idea what it was like. It looked yeah. like something out of Auschwitz. Were you, you sort know? of the only one over there? Sort of, or was it sort of was it the case the whole country was paranoid? Oh, no. I, did, anyone I, actually, did anyone actually get mad cow? Oh, or? yeah. No, oh. Oh, they got it. Yeah, oh, wow. Don't worry about that. Yeah, they got it. I think people, uh, uh, if you've lived an excessive amount of time in the UK, they won't even let you donate blood in Australia. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't eat any beef either. I think I had one hamburger. And then I got this mental illness. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I wonder why you got the bell around your neck. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't win, mate. I started eating fish and I said something wrong with the fish. There was something wrong with the food chains fucked over there. The, you know, the salmon's got cancer or something. Oh, so really? Yeah, there's always some chicken have got some disease mm. and the sheep have got scraping and the game. Yeah, you need to be. My, girl, my wife is a vegetarian. You know. oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't blame it from what you've just described. Yeah, and you'll find something's wrong with the cauliflower or something. That yeah, some, yeah. Uh, give you some lingering cauliflower disease or something. Which will... Do you think maybe it's a, it's the whole thing's just a plan by the Australian Tourist Board to get people back? Oh, it might be. I don't well, know. You know we, could, we could make crappy ads with Lara Bingle or we could just poison <laughs> other countries' water yeah, uh, food supply. Maybe, yeah. A, yeah you might, might be right. Import Australian beef. But... Um, but, you know, yeah, you do, do go to Amsterdam, and the thing, good thing about England is you can go to Amsterdam and yeah. have got quite a perverse lifestyle. No, actually, my wife will listen to this. Uh, no, I go over there to fucking museums yeah, and museum. shit. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and Frank's house. And, um, but, you know, you've got access to Europe, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, and is it, it's just pretty much you can just fly, there's no visas, checks and all that, you can just fly to other countries or? Yeah, you've got your, your yeah, you've got a British passport. Yeah, you, know, you still need your passport to get into places, but but um, it's not like yeah, not like an effort to go overseas. Like, no, no. If you no. sort of said to your wife, "Oh, let's go to Paris for the weekend," you, oh yeah, 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 just go. You jump on the train. They're in three hours by train. Have you That's gigged it. in Paris? Or? Yeah, I have. Where I met my wife. Ah, did a gig there at the uh, Hotel de Nord in North ah. North Paris, and uh, I did it with Adam Bloom. And oh, yeah, um, I've heard Adam Bloom. I know Adam Bloom. He's friends with Brendan Burns and yeah, yeah 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 I did it with him anyway Adam and we had a great time but my wife was doing some sort of, she came there just and I, I got talking to her and she she said later she felt a bit sorry for me because I, I was a bit tragic looking and looked like I was vulnerable and needed help or someone to look after me and then uh, I did a show at the Improv in London and she came and reviewed it ah. and she gave me a really good review 
And I read the review and I went, oh, I'll phone her up and thank her. And then she said to me, what are you doing tonight? And she invited me out to a comedy club. So I went back to this comedy, um, went to the comedy club and then went back to her place. And then, and then I was moving out of Ed Burns' place. I had about a week to go and I mentioned it to her and she said, oh, you, you can move in with me if you like, which I thought was unbelievable. Oh, I that's a week. But she only meant for a weekend. But I, <laughs> but I did stay 15 years. So I'm fucking a bit of a malingerer. A bit of a malingerer. Oh. Well, it's worked out well for you then. It's... Well, it's almost fate. I don't believe in fate, really, but everything sort of fell into place. I'm about to get kicked out of Ed's place. I'm a, a bump into Julia. And then um, and then Julia's got her own flat. And, yeah, but I mean, everything seemed to f- just fell into yeah. place. Well, Quite seems, a struggle, but... It seems like, like, obviously, there's been hard work put in and the whatnot, but it seems like, yeah, your career was... From making that big move to London, it's all sort of worked out a bit. Yeah, like. well, you get inspired there as well mm. um, because you're surrounded by very good comics and, um, you know, that helps you, you know, raise your game a bit. And, yeah. And, you know, you go, you get more creative because, yeah, comedy over there is very much like a lifestyle. It's, yeah. It's, it's a very... Uh, 24 hours a day, you're involved in it. Yeah. Whether you're socialising with comedians or gigging or whatever and, and then that inspires you to... Yeah, just be creative. And I think yeah. you're, you're um, Australia's a bit pretty semi-professional. Yeah. yeah. So you don't get the same amount of inspiration. Yeah, it's, so. sort of, it's very easy here to get distracted. Like, you know, today, we're recording mm. today, it's a nice balmy day. Mm. It's a nice day to just go down to the beer garden at the pub by the beach. Yeah, that's it's, right. But yeah. I'm enjoying this. I don't know. Yeah, my first iPod thing, whatever I've ever done. Podcast. I? Podcast. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> All these fucking pods, mate. Feel, oh. like, feel like a pea or something. But these, um, I've never done a podcast before. It's quite, it's quite good. Oh, it's been a lot of fun having you on, mate. So you're, a, yeah. For people, you'll be, you'll be in. How long have you got left in Australia? Oh, me for three months now. Yeah. For three months. Yeah, I've got gigs coming up. Laugh Garage and Laugh Garage. Uh, yeah, I've got the Laugh Garage, and then I've got Friend in Hand, and yeah. Manly boat shirt and a gig in Canberra. A gig in Canberra. There you go. And if so, if anyone's out there and you want to book Trevor, he's here for three months. Book. Yeah, it. yeah. I'm a funny mm. fucker. I don't have funny about on this interview, but ah, it's been great. Mildly amusing, I suppose. Eh? Mildly. Uh, you're a very funny comedian. And when you get back to London, you got your gig card sorted there. Or? Yeah, I already got my diary for August. Actually, for I'm, August. I got the Glee Club in Cardiff, Glee Club in Birmingham, Glee Club in Oxford. Um, all already in so. so there you go guys check Trevor Crook out you see his name go buy a ticket say day, and say you heard him on the Comedy on Edge podcast yeah thank you well mate thanks for coming by Dave Keishan thank you thanks. check out for more information comedyonedge.com and also if you listen to us on iTunes give us five stars it costs you nothing and it really helps us out a lot guys have a great week Dave hit the music <laughs>